Please listen carefully. Today on the podcast, we have E.C. Sinkowski. Um, I first got to know E.C. Actually, when I f- started CrossFit in 2008, I watched all the free content on CrossFit.com, and E.C. was in a lot of those videos, either working out or um, she's a uh, headquarters instructor, um, so she'd be on videos training people. So um, I've known of E.C. Uh, for a long time, and then I had the chance to meet her several times uh, when she would come down for seminars. Um, EC holds a uh, master's in nutrition, in human nutrition and functional medicine. Uh, she's also a certified CrossFit level four coach, uh, and she runs Optimize Me Nutrition. So the mission of Optimize Me Nutrition is to provide readers with educational resources and tools for them to find their optimal nutrition. Uh, the website is help is to help set up proper context for readers to understand nutritional physiology and its day to day application. Um, so when I interview her, um, we talk about her 800 gram challenge, which we had put members at Kana through. And, uh, this is, uh, this was a very different challenge for them, nutrition challenge, because it was not an elimination diet. In fact, it was, uh, basically a way to get in enough fruits and veggies. Uh, so putting a quantity on quality, if that makes sense. Uh, and we talk about that. Uh, we also talk about what EC, uh, eats day to day and what her root workout routine looks like. Uh, we talk about the carnivore diet and her thoughts on that. Uh, we talk about her perfect day and Myers-Briggs, uh, because I'm interested in hearing about what people's personality types are like. We talk about a number of book recommendations, uh, and her bucket list. So we cover the, the gamut, um, some old school CrossFit stuff, and then obviously some nutrition things. So should be pretty interesting. If any of you guys are old school CrossFitters, uh, you know the name. And so this should be a really interesting podcast for you. So enjoy. Okay, so let's just get it started. Um, yeah. Welcome to CrossFit Connor Radio. Uh, we have E.C. Sinkowski on the line. And um, I thought we would start, actually, I, I thought by, I would start by just mentioning the fact that you ha- uh, were one of the trainers at my level one. Um, it was This was at CrossFit King of Prussia. Okay. And uh, I had started there in 2009. The level one, I believe, was early 2010. Um, and and I became a coach there and, and spent a lot of time at KOP. Um, and so, and I remember you guys doing a clean and jerk workout during lunch. And I recorded it, put it up on YouTube, sent it to you guys. Um, and then I think soon after that, you had come back to do a, an Oli seminar with us. Yep. Um, so why don't you start by just explaining where you grew up, what kind of, um, you know, childhood or, or, you know, like what kind of education you went through, um, and then leading up to CrossFit, I guess. Yeah. Well, thank you first of all for having me on and, um, I'm glad that you reminded me of this thing because I was I was trying to put all the connections together. I was like, I know, I know, Chris. Now, where are the times that I overlap with him? <laughs> exactly. So, yes, King of Prussia. Okay, yep. makes sense now. Um, some good memories for sure. But yeah, so I grew up in actually uh, somewhat close by out there, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and I had a pretty athletic uh, sports background. Um, 
soccer and lacrosse were my kind of my main sports, but I also played field hockey. So nothing that really helped with the six foot stature that I. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) Um, I really didn't get started in CrossFit till I guess mid to late twenties. Of course, that was pretty early on for CrossFit though. I started CrossFit January second, two thousand six, up in Boston. Um, kind of one of those new year resolutions, my brother had stumbled into the website and I eventually decided that I just needed to mix up my Globo gym routine and started at CrossFit Boston, which was one of the first 15 affiliates, uh, in the U S and, and then that led to kind of seminar staff and then working for them full time, of course, over the years. Now, when you started CrossFit, cause I remember hearing about it from my <sighs> father-in-law who had read about it in a magazine. I remember watching the movie 300, um, yeah. <laughs> and how they got in shape. I probably stalked CrossFit.com for a good month or even more just watching the videos. And that's actually how I first saw you. You were you were on a bunch of their, you know, free content. Um, did you did you do as much research or did you just jump in to CrossFit um, uh, just right. because it was a new workout routine? I really didn't do much research. I remember my brother was coming back from a knee surgery, and so he was kind of going into just all these different online forums at the time, okay. um, actually following some of like Zach Evanesh's stuff, who's been yeah. around forever, some of the underground kind of fitness stuff. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, you got to check out this website. And that was probably the fall of 2015. And I remember going to .com, and I think it was 7 by one deadlift um, day. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a workout that didn't really – grab me, which was unfortunate because, of course, we all know that there's huge value there. Right. So I just kind of put on the back burner. I really didn't do much research. I really didn't watch any of the videos. I really didn't do anything. And then it was just kind of, you know, that New Year resolution idea. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting so sick of my current routine. I really got to mix this up. And I said, you know, what was that CrossFit thing? So um, I kind of knew what I was getting into just from discussions with my brother and and also doing some high-intensity protocols myself beforehand, um, but definitely didn't do a ton of research. Mm Now you ended up on seminar staff. Were you coaching at your at CrossFit Boston at the time? Yeah, I had kind of done some personal training through my first masters, um, and so when I joined CrossFit Boston, it kind of it felt really natural to join the coaching staff there as well. And, and thankfully, Neil Thompson brought me on and okay. uh, just did some part part time coaching while I was doing environmental consulting, and then. You know, I think it's it's interesting looking back on some of those days because people don't really totally appreciate what the community was like then. So seminar staff was also very different yes. <laughs> in 2006, yeah. et cetera. But yeah. essentially by showing up a lot, I got to be on seminar staff. And that was because that was something that you just felt like you, you wanted to get involved with. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know how it is at your level one. It's just you know, so jaw-dropping and yep. just such a great group of people to be around. And, and, right. and those were days when people would go to Level 1s repeatedly, actually. Yep. It was kind of because it was the only event. There were none of these competitions around. There weren't the games. There wasn't even a rogue fitness, <laughs> right. which is hard to imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of like the Woodstock of fitness. It's where you found your CrossFitters. So going back to Level 1s was, was pretty much the standard, um, and that's really how you became on staff at that time. That's great. And you said you were doing environmental consulting. So your background, your education was not yeah. in exercise science or kinesiology or anything like that. No. Um, you know, my undergrad's in biochem engineering and my first master's is environmental science um, with a focus in genetics. So definitely not kinesiology, but, uh, but pretty heavy on the biochem mm-hmm. side. So okay. uh, I wouldn't want to say that it was totally out of the realm of, of related. <laughs> Got it. So you spent... Um, and are you still doing seminar staff stuff or, or no? No, I resigned, um, I guess, mid-2017 from okay. HQ in all capacities. Got it. Okay. So 
where are you now? What are yeah. you doing? What are you up to now? Um, yeah, so I resigned from HQ as I was finishing up my second master's in nutrition and functional medicine. And I did that, and I finished that at the end of 2017. And then I've opened my own company called Optimize Me Nutrition, and mm -hmm. that's what I'm doing currently. And it really is with the focus on nutrition education, um, a heavy push for uh, trying to get people to recommit to the fundamentals day in and day out. Yep. Now, uh, and we can just jump into it because um, you have uh, this program called the 800-gram challenge, and yeah. uh, our gym... Crossacana participated in it recently. So do you want to explain what that is and, uh, and the concepts behind it? Totally. Um, so the 800 gram challenge most simply is just a way to approach diet and it's 800 grams by weight of fruits and vegetables each day. And I kind of emphasize that because a lot of us have weight and measure for macronutrient content, mm -hmm. um, but not necessarily for weight. So it's a little bit different. And then there's not really other rules. Um, in the sense of you don't have to exclude anything else. It's sort of eat your 800 grams of fruits and vegetables each day and then continue to eat whatever else you need. And I kind of put a tagline on it as like it's putting a metric on quality. So, you know, before you could say, oh, I'm eating clean or I'm eating, you know, a good amount of fruits and vegetables. What does that really mean? How can we really measure that? And so that's, I think, one of the nice things about the challenge. There's a few things I really like about it, but it's this idea of, hey, now we can really say, like, how much... Uh, equals a clean diet. And of course, it's not going to be a perfect number, but it's better than not having a number. <laughs> Got it. And I imagine this stemmed from getting your master's in nutrition. Um, what what yeah. were you finding in terms of, like, how did this come about that it was 800 grams? Were you seeing a trend in the research that you were reading? Um, where, where did this come from? Yeah. So the, the idea was actually in my mind for years. And, uh, I had a friend up in Boston, and I, I tell this story when I talk about the 800 gram challenge a bunch, but um, this is years and years ago, back after my CrossFit Boston days at CrossFit New England, and I was over at her house, and she she eats a really clean diet, and she just made the comment, like, you just can't ever eat enough vegetables, right? And it kind of stuck with me, because I was thinking, I was like, yeah, we don't really know. It's like, do we just keep force-feeding ourselves broccoli? I mean, that can't be it. So that was sort of on my back burner for, uh, for a while. And I know I had looked in over the years of, you know, what did different organizations like the USDA say? And, and their systems are good, but they're a little confusing because they talk about, you know, food groups and cup sizes, and each food group has a different cup size. So it gets a little bit unwieldy. Mm -hmm. And I actually was working on, during my master's, I was doing a couple different diet protocols. One, there's a, I think it's Dr. Michael Greger. He runs nutritionfacts.org. He actually puts out a diet, eat these, I don't know what it is, 10 to 12 different things every day. And so I was doing that. Mm -hmm. For a while, seeing how that played out, and it was sort of the same thing. I liked it, but it was a little bit too micromanaging. Like, oh shoot, I didn't get my quarter cup of beans today, you know. Right. right. <laughs> then I tried playing around with measuring potassium as a proxy for fruit and vegetable consumption using my Fitness Pal, and um, unfortunately, micronutrient data just isn't as complete in those databases, so that wasn't really working. Hmm. So okay. all of that's kind of going on. Um, then for during, I forget what I was actually looking up. I think I was looking up something for the Mediterranean diet, but ran into this study by Un et al. And they looked at fruit and vegetable consumption relative to health outcomes, such as cardiovascular disease, cancer, and all cause mortality. And what they found was that cancer risk went down when people consumed 600 grams of fruits and vegetables and that all cause mortality and cardiovascular disease went down at 800 grams. So kind of with all the stuff that I was already doing and then seeing that study, it was like, wow, that's, 
that's really elegant. What about if I just eat 800 grams of fruits and vegetables each day and kind of see what happens? And of course, that's then what we know to be the 800 gram challenge. Now, I do like to point out that some of the rules I've put around the challenge are not necessarily study findings, things that I've said are included or how to weigh and measure it or how people can use it with any macros, that this isn't what the authors were saying. And, and mm -hmm. that's where our intents kind of differ. But that's definitely what um, got me started on the idea. Yeah, that was the, the underlying thesis. And then you mm -hmm. kind of built some rules around it because you know that CrossFitters and people that you're working with <laughs> love rules and, and standards so, to hit. Now, and like also just to add on to that, like, <laughs> for example, they didn't include beans in their fruits and vegetables. Apparently, I think they're going to release or they have released, I actually have a check on that, a study looking at like all-cause mortality in bean and legume consumption. Yeah. But for me, just based on other research and other knowledge, I was like, yeah, I'm including that. And then something else, like I said, you know, it doesn't matter if it's cooked, canned, frozen, or fresh. It doesn't matter what the macronutrient distribution is. So all of that stuff kind of came out with playing around with it and seeing how it was like life livable and meaningful. So that's kind of where, you know, the challenge rules start coming to play that differ from the study. Yeah. I like it because even though there are rules, um, you know, for our people who are used to the more typical elimination diet, um, paleo diet zone, uh, which is weighing and measuring specifically whole 30, whatever the case may be. A lot of times they're told what not to eat, whereas this uh -huh. one is focusing on what to eat, and then uh -huh. anything beyond that is totally up to them, which was, uh, they had made comments uh, that it was very different than what they were used to, and they liked that freedom. Great. Um, and then, yeah, of course, if you wanted to restrict certain things, you could, but you didn't have to, right? Right. Um, so talk about some of these fringe groups, because we did have you know a number of questions and comments about, oh, well... I can eat white potatoes and paleo says no and, you know, legumes like beans. And um, can you talk about maybe the, some of the stuff that you read and, and the decision for including those? Um, sure. If, yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually had been doing a series of posts on my social media kind of um, – it's like the not the problem series and mm -hmm. it would be pictures of white potatoes and right. pictures of beans and nightshades and all these other things. Yeah, it's interesting. Um you know, there have been a lot of blogs and postings about these foods in such negative ways, and I, I fell into that camp for a while, too, believing them. And then once you start tracking back to the studies and what they're looking at, it, it often is that the research has been taken out of context. You know, if you overload a rat with some sort of single compound, it's an entirely different context than somebody eating um, that food in a mixed diet. And so we just have to kind of keep that in mind. And I think that's where a lot of the research gets mistranslated. I think that's one of the best, actually, things that people can do. And I appreciate that the scientific research gets a little heavy at times, but just literally opening up the study that somebody cites. And sometimes it's, it's completely irrelevant to the topic that they're citing it for. Um, and so that's what I see a lot with things like with white potatoes and nightshades. It's They've singled out a, a single compound in those foods when obviously they're made up of a whole host of things. And they're looking at it in this like overdose study in animals. And it's like, whoa, 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 let's take a step back. And then what we find is when we look at whole food population studies, that there's these effects aren't there at all. And if anything, they help with health markers. Got it. And chances are, if your biggest concern is having white potatoes or not having white potatoes, then you you're probably doing pretty good, right? <laughs> totally. I mean, I actually have another challenge coming out, um, and it's, it's kind of back in the mantra of eliminating things. But, yeah, I mean, what I see time and time again, and, and it's really true for me as well, is that 
it's not the white potato that I'm eating too much, right? right. If it's, it's right. going out and having a couple beers or it's going out and having too much chips and salsa or sugar, I don't, I don't know, but it's definitely not the white potato that we're overeating. Yeah, precisely. Um, no, I love it. If let's say, um, you know, someone does this challenge and their specific goal was weight loss or fat mm-hmm. loss, right? So they do this and they end up, you know, we have an in-body scanner here. So we, uh, we scan people before and after, and then someone comes out of the you know month long challenge, um, having not you know lost uh, yeah. much fat. What would your next steps? Uh, what would your recommendations be for that person? Sure. sure. Well, first of all, it was actually pretty cool. I had somebody email me, I guess a couple weeks ago. They had just finished the eight hundred gram challenge, and they made the comment, you know, I just gained weight, and I'm kind of disappointed. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they also had an in-body scanner because they emailed me before getting their results, and they actually had gained muscle mass, which was pretty cool to see. Right, so, right. Yep. so one, we can't we can't forget that that happened. And, and yep. she was a uh, she was in the fifties, and she said to her, she's like, I had no idea that as a fifty year old woman I could gain muscle in four weeks, and so that was a pretty cool outcome. So anyway, let's, yep. let's yep. no, that, that happens all the time here. Happens all the time. Yep. Um, but yes, it's entirely possible to have gained weight. And that's really because you aren't controlling quantity precisely. And so sometimes I think um, what could happen in one of these challenges is people get their fruit and vegetable consumption in, and, but they continue to eat everything else they were doing right. before the challenge. And so that means that their overall calories are higher. Um, or they take kind of that mentality of, well, I got my grams in, so now I'm just going to slam this pint of ice cream. So right. definitely weight gain is a, is a possibility. So then what you have to do, and it's really true with any diet that fails, that's being paleo, keto, intermittent fasting. If you're not getting the results that you want in terms of weight loss, you have to get more precise. You just have to. And so it comes down to weighing and measuring. And, and that's where we lose a lot of people, but that's also where we learn, okay, why am I gaining weight? Right. Yeah. If you're looking to make a specific change that we need, even though we don't, I think you would agree with this, like we're not expecting people to weigh and measure their entire lives. Right, we mm-hmm. think of diet as a noun, not a verb. Like, mm-hmm. what is your diet? Meaning, just day to day, what are you consuming? Mm-hmm. And then, what are your goals? If you have specific goals, then let's be more specific in terms of knowing what goes in and out of that. Uh, Total. Know, right. Yeah, and I mean, well, a couple things there. One, people inherently underestimate what they eat, and that's not meant to be a, a personality flaw. It just we do it. We forget what we eat. We don't realize how much was in that portion. We're just not good at it. So one, there comes down to like just that education of really uh, weighing and measuring to see what happens. But the other thing I want to say about weighing and measuring is, no, I, I don't think the mainstream will weigh and measure forever. Mm-hmm. But there are people that love it. And so yeah. I'm really not down on the macros trend. Like, uh, you know, I saw Jason Ackerman of Own Your Eating Post recently. I think he's been logging for like four years straight. It's like mm-hmm. more power to him. You know, like some people really love it because it gives them the flexibility they feel while staying in control. And so if, if that's the system that works for them, great. I do think a lot of people end up uh, getting some good education out of it and then finding a middle ground that's not weighing and measuring everything though. Right. And I think, you know, for a lot of diets that are out there, that's that's kind of the, the ultimate goal in terms of learning mm-hmm. something about yourself and then figuring out what works in the real world. Totally. Not expecting that it's going to be this, you know, 30-day very strict process. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's sorry to continue, but... No, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's there's some other things too there with some challenges like, you know, people can get down on challenges because they think they're unrealistic. And I think, 
I think that we have to appreciate that there's some learning process there. Even if it's like something super strict and they eliminate 20 different things, I'm sure they learn something there, right? So for sure, for sure. Anything that pushes us towards eating whole uh, unprocessed foods and not too much, even if we don't stick with it forever, is still a good thing. Completely. I, uh, I've heard that, like in terms of, um, you know, I've heard the opposition to challenges like that, especially in a group setting like, a, like our gym. But yep. the, I've seen way more good come out of it than mm-hmm. than bad and I realize that some people like we, we don't want to approach anything in terms of getting you know the neuroses that you can get with counting and, and all that but I, I've seen way more good come out of it uh, in terms right. of learning learning people learning about themselves and we always say look don't let the pursuit of perfection get in the way of good like right. just because there are these rules and, and I know that you want to be you know quote unquote perfect you know in the real world day to day with kids work life stress um, you have to be okay with that eighty twenty that or eighty five fifteen or whatever whatever it is for you whatever tolerance you have. Sure. Um, you know, obviously, any medical conditions you're going to need to be more strict. But um, if we're just looking to live a healthy life, um, healthy to me also means not stressed. Right. If food is stressing you out because you're worrying about what you're eating or not eating, it's not worth it. Totally. Um, yeah. Exactly. Talk about uh, yeah. So what do, what. What is your personal philosophy? I mean, I know we have this 800 gram challenge. Um, are you eating, trying to eat 800 grams a day for yourself? Um, are you focusing on, um, you know, how do you eat day to day, basically? Sure. Yeah, I mean, the 800 gram challenge has definitely been kind of what I've done since I came up with it. Of mm-hmm. course, I can't say that I've been perfect in the last two years or year sure. and a half since I first kind of playing around with it. Um, sure. But that's pretty much how I live get a good high quality amount of food in every day um, and not worry too much about the rest. That being said, you know, when we run challenges here at CrossFit Roots, I still jump in. Like I still did the foundations challenge that I came up with when you're eating to track macros. We've got something else coming out soon that I kind of mentioned that we're going to be cutting down on some of our vices in our diet, like alcohol and sugar, and I'm going to do it. So I definitely will go through periods of other challenges. Um, Some of that's just for my own continued education, of course, and also some recalibration. I mean, I'm just like everyone else out there that, yeah, I'm pretty good at eyeballing portions, but I'm going to tell you the the more I get away from a macros challenge, the more that my estimate of ice cream servings is off. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to jump into those things to continue to drill down and get more specific, but day to day, I would say that I pretty much live by the 800 gram challenge. Yep. No, I like it. Um, uh, something that I am reading more about and listening um, is actually kind of the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of the carnivore diet. Um, and I know, you know, ketogenic or keto has been talked about a lot in 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 the public sphere. And then some people are, um, you know, kind of from that and. Uh, from people like Michaela, I'm blanking on her last name, and Sean Baker are hearing about this carnivore diet. Um, have you looked into that? Have you done any research on that? Um, and this is a genuine kind of question for myself, just because I'm just getting into it and in the research and the and the people behind it. Um, yeah, is it because it's obviously so different from from what you're promoting in terms of 800 grams of fruits and veggies, and they're going none at all. Um, I guess have you looked into it at all? And then if so, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I have, and I don't actually know you know, if I could say that I've looked into looking at carnivore diet, like I'd, I'd be shocked if we had a peer reviewed study yet on carnivore diet, but mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that cause I actually haven't looked up yet. But anyway, sure. um, I have from the standpoint of understanding 
health effects from fruits and vegetable consumption as well as from meat consumption. So when somebody wants to do keto, I'll start there. I'm, uh, quote, okay with it either for a period of time um, for reversing some health conditions and or with a heavy amount of plant matter that's still low carb. So mm-hmm. you could do 800 gram challenge and stay keto with some pretty, you know, low carb items. Right. Um, and I'm not really the biggest fan of the carnivore diet because what you're getting from plant matter is so powerful in terms of the gut microbiota, which then influences our immune system and our overall health. So from plant matter, you're getting fiber, which feeds the good bacteria. It's also all these polyphenols or phytochemicals, which are also shifting that balance of the gut microbiota towards, quote, better, just for the sake of simplicity, Mm -hmm. and also modulating our immune system, um, T regulatory immune system, which helps keep all of the arms of the immune system in check. The other thing that I don't love about a carnivore diet is high protein consumption. When it's not digested, it can be putrefied in the colon, leading to some undesirable um, compounds. And that's not great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That can be damaging. And then we also have typically a higher saturated fat content where we're looking at a lot of red meat. And I'm not against saturated fat. But a high saturated fat definitely increases um, something called endotoxemia, which again leads to inflammation and a dysbiosis of the gut microbiome. So again, I haven't done specifically looking at data on people eating um, whatever is out there or the carnivore diet. I don't exactly know besides just straight meat. But I can tell you that I've looked at diets that look heavy in meat or heavy saturated fat or low plant matter. And the outcomes aren't great. Got it. Um, I think there's way more evidence to suggest plant matter is healthier than not. And I think we also have to remember people's context. Like if somebody's eating a standard American diet and they go carnivore, they are going to see huge benefits. And yep. that's awesome. And that's great. But I don't know that that's ideal. Right. Right. No, I love it. Um, yeah, I'm just starting to look into it. So that's why I want to yeah. pick your brain about it. Yeah, I definitely could do some more. I, you know, I have a feeling though, Chris, like <laughs> if I was going to be betting on this, I have a feeling there's a lot of blog information out there, but there's probably less really heavy background on it. <laughs> yeah, totally makes sense. Um, what, switching gears a little bit, what does yeah. your workout routine look like? So it sounds like you're at CrossFit Roots. That's mm-hmm. uh, Nicole Christensen, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and a whole, a whole bunch of characters yeah. a whole bunch of all-stars over there from what yeah I, we know. definitely have a collection in colorado of some uh old crossfitters yeah <laughs> old in a nice way not age <laughs> no i love it um actually because i've heard of them and um and see that there's just a plethora of uh hq trainers or former hq trainers and you know again all these all-stars um how did that come about were people just already living in Boulder and just kind of, you know, when Nicole had opened, just kind of gravitated towards or was she specifically looking for you guys to come on over and, you know, create this kind of super box of trainers? Yeah, it definitely wasn't Nicole Christensen reaching out to us and saying, come on out. Um, And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just, that wasn't how it went at all. Mm -hmm. I think it was, I think people just really liked the area. They would come out for seminars, and, and uh, of course, they liked Roots, and, and <laughs> Boulder's beautiful. And I think it kind of ended up being more of an organic organic change um, than necessarily any sort of directive by any of us. Yeah. No, that's great. And so are you coaching there? I am. Uh, yeah. Periodically, I, I do coach at uh, CrossFit Roots, and then I also write the base programming for the classes. Oh, cool. um, 
and then that that's a feedback system and a group approach but I'm, I'm kind of the first cut at uh, the, the class workout still and so I would I do CrossFit uh, at least three times a week, maybe maybe more, maybe less. But then I also do uh, at least a strongman session a week, and then I I also just will mix it up. Either make sure I get my ten thousand steps in, or go for a hike, or or take a spin class, or or something like that. Um, people probably somewhat know in the community I've dealt with a lot of back issues over the years, and so. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing as much lifting as I once did. I definitely lift, but not quite in the same way. Right. Um, just because I just, uh, you know, I'm not uh, as risk tolerant, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think I remember one of the first videos I saw of you was doing uh, Grace at the men's weight. Yeah. You, you were doing 135 and you finished in like, at the time it was like, it was like 10 minutes and it was like ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's funny looking back at some of those things because, sorry to cut you off yeah, there, but yeah. it's, uh, you know, what what the level of performance has changed. Yeah, when that came out or some of those videos, like, you know, there was a time when I was really strong and now it's like that's really mediocre, which it's just amazing how far the sport has gone. It's incredible. I mean, I think of like, um, you know, the final workout in 2008 and the famous, you know, video of Kalipa coming out of nowhere and winning, but right. like you know, 155 pound squat clean and jerks was ridiculously heavy. And, totally. uh, and now people are doing it in their sleep. It's like, totally. yeah, um, it's incredible for sure. Yeah. I tell people I have 2008 strength, so right. that's, <laughs> that's how strong I am. 2008. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. I was strong in 2008. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was strong. And yeah, if you freeze time, then I'm still strong. But, um, What's interesting though, and I make this point a lot, like, I consider myself to be a pretty mediocre CrossFitter right now, and, mm-hmm. and I'm still like, and this isn't to make me feel better. It's just observing, you know, society. It's like I'm still very, very fit relative to, you know, just the 99. percent And that's yes. again not to be like, oh, I'm so great, but just like how powerful the program is that you can be really fit and not be anywhere near the top. <laughs> you well, you can. You can kind of take it for granted, right? You kind of get jaded when you're surrounded by CrossFitters um, and similar, you know, similar pe- like-minded people. That you know, you can get down on yourself, and you're like, "Man, like I thought I was pretty fit, and all these other people are like killing it." And then you're right, right. like you just gotta. We have to remind our members, like, "Hey, you're in here working out. There's thousands of people for every one of you that don't do anything at all." Right. Right. And that's that's kind of like our mission, just getting everyday people up and moving. Totally. And also like, you know, of course you never know what life is going to throw at you. So you never know how strong or how much capacity you need. But for the most part, like, you know, there's very few times in my life, i.e. zero, that I've had to squat 300 pounds. (laughs) Yeah. In the real world, right? In the real world. Yes. Yes. And so you kind of lose sight of that because you're always chasing these numbers at the gym and then you're like, wait a minute, like, do I, I mean, I love having this capacity, I know I'm healthy, but do I need to be squatting, you know, is it's so what if somebody squatted 300 and I didn't get anywhere close to them, right? Correct. Yeah, it's all, it's, we know that it's beneficial, but it's also, it can get a little too artificial in the sense right. of uh, just chasing things that are minuscule compared to the bigger picture. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, what is a perfect day for you? What would be a perfect day? Wow, that's a great question. Um, definitely, I was going to have a workout, <laughs> mm-hmm. being active for something. Um, definitely going to have some reading and studying. Um, 
I think it, that's something that I, I've been trying to get back to. Um, in fact, even just doing like an hour of unbroken reading, which I, which doesn't sound that impressive, but I think in our kind of busy lives, we can get away from doing some concentrated work. So reading or studying, um, and then just making some progress on some of the projects I'm working on. Um, and probably if it's a weekend, something with friends or be social, but yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy, but definitely making some progress, challenging the brain a little bit, moving the body. Sounds like a good day to me. <laughs> Have you read Deep Work by Cal Newport? Huh. No. Yeah, that would be an interesting one for you because okay. he's uh, he's relatively young. I want to say he's in his 30s, but he's written four or five books now. Wow. And Deep Work specifically is all about blocking out things and getting it, what the title says, deep work done. And, um, you know, uh, he talks a lot about the common example of like a nine-to-five worker who is constantly interrupted at their desk and not getting anything done. And then he gives examples of people who – you know, like Bill Gates will would go to like this cottage in the middle of nowhere with no technology whatsoever for two weeks and get most or a lot of his important work done there. Um, yeah. You know, stuff like that. How yeah, do you, how do you set up your out. day? Yeah. So if you're trying to read for an hour, how do you set that up? What yeah. What do you have in place to make that happen? Yeah, I definitely like it in the morning. I think it's easier to stay focused in the morning. Um, so it depends if I work out or not. Like I worked out this morning, so it didn't happen. So I'll have to sit down now and do it. But uh, yeah, I think for me in the morning, I think as the day goes on, the more emails come in or the more DMs come in or whatever it is, you get distracted. So mm-hmm. it's finding the time in the day when you know you have the, the least interruption. I, I would imagine for some people it could be more evening time, which is great. Um, but yeah, kind of sitting it to, putting it into your schedule based on where you know it's more likely to be successful. And are you home? Are you out at a coffee yeah. shop? Are you? Yeah, I'm actually really bad in coffee shops, uh, focusing wise. So um, I'm at home. I, I work in silence. <laughs> yeah. I can't work with background mo- music or noise or something like that. So yeah, definitely at home most of the time to try to crank through some work. That's awesome. Um, so my background is in counseling. Um, oh, okay. I, I went to college for engineering, but then quickly realized, well, not actually quickly, junior year realized I needed to work with people. So I switched to um I got a master's in counseling and then worked in education. So I'm very big on personality, personality types and whatnot. Um, So I know, you know, I know it's all labels and whatnot, but do you know what your Myers-Briggs is? Yeah. uh, ESTJ. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's some good stuff there. I just learned, oh gosh, what's that other one? The Enneagram? Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what type you are? I think I'm one. Yeah. One. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> pretty, pretty uh, motivated go-getters are, are ones. So yeah, I mean everything has its ups and ups and downs, but yeah. <laughs> for um for your business, well, I had first learned of Enneagram from a, another podcast, the Story Brand podcast. Oh okay. And um for your business, um, Story Brand the book is an amazing book. Um, oh. So it's all about marketing, but not in yeah. the sleazy sense, in, in the sure. um, in the helping sense and allowing, you know, the, the general thesis is that you are, a, you should act like a guide, not the hero. So, right. you know, E.C. Sinkowski is the guide to help people be their own hero in their journey. Right. Um, anyway, just to help like your business, um, that would be yeah. one of the best things. Great. Yeah. These two suggestions, I got them written down here. Thank you. Awesome. Um, are there any books that you would recommend people read for either just general enjoyment or, um, for anything, for information, 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking over at my uh, bookshelf right now, which is a lot of nutrition books. Um, I actually just finished this book called The Hungry Brain by Stephen Gaines. Yeah, Gaines. Stephen Gaines. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, he's been around, obviously, for a long time, and I think he's one of the voices of reason out there with nutrition for sure, and definitely is the one who kind of got me okay with the potato. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and other things that I think some groups have kind of um, vilified. So yeah, I, that was a great book for sure. Um, I don't even want to admit what I'm reading right now. I pulled off one of my textbooks from college because I was like really wanting to get back into this focus idea. And so like I, I picked up something that I consider pretty technical and pretty hard to get into so mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's where I'm spending my time right now but it was kind of with this idea of like I want to do this uncon this concentrated hour of, of work and study you know yeah no, I love it that's great um, and then wrapping things up uh, do you have anything on your bucket list so we're, we're big cool. on um, you know we really love travel we lo you know we love the idea of people expanding their horizons and just trying new things so um, yeah yeah what is on your bucket list for sure um, gosh, there's definitely, I would travel, I've done a good amount of travel for sure. Um, but yeah, getting back to Scandinavia and specifically, um, Finland is definitely on the bucket list for sure. I love Norway, um, enjoyed some time in Sweden. So I'd like to get back there and specifically in the winter, um, just cause I think that's going to be incredibly beautiful. <laughs> I guess maybe spring when there's still sunlight, but winter. <laughs> right, right. And this is you travel there because of um, seminar staff. Um, for some of it, for yeah, I would say most of it actually. Yeah, Norway for sure. But I ended up taking some extra time uh, just personally, and it's absolutely beautiful um, and amazing, and and would just love to go back. So, yeah, I love it. Um, and then last question: Do you yeah. is there anything that you believe that not many other people believe? Hmm. So basically, what what do you go against the grain with? Yeah, I mean, what I I mean, I don't know if it's not many other people believe it, but it's it's maybe a little bit different. Um, I tell people that my shtick in nutrition is that I have no shtick, um, and so actually, when I started my business, I I was a little bit lost because I actually didn't know what to sell. You know, I'm not selling a product. I don't actually believe that one thing will work or that you have to follow my thirty step system. Mm -hmm. So. So yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what I maybe bring to the table, and maybe is a little bit um, different in the nutrition space. It's just that this idea of helping people understand that a lot of different approaches can work, and we're just going to find the one that works for you. Now, you, I believe you do not do one-on-one -on -one coaching, right? Yeah, not at the moment. I've been trying to just kind of make some uh, push with some different products and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, okay. And so I, I really haven't, just because I wanted to have some programs in place for gyms and, and some of those outlets and courses. Um, but we'll see. Not sure what's going to happen in the future, of course. Sure. No, no, of course. I just, I, I think some people might assume that because you are offering nutrition information that, that you might do, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Um, thank you. I, I feel like too, um, I love troubleshooting and I definitely love helping people. That's not the issue, but I do feel like my strengths are more education than necessarily, um, motivation. Mm -hmm, yeah. So, and that's where I've tried to bias um, what I'm doing in the space. Right. Well, I mean, essentially, you are helping even more people, though, because by offering it to places like us in terms of setting everything up and 
having this material that they can see through SugarWad and each day get new information and, and just try yeah. a new challenge than what they're used to. That's, you know, we had uh, about 50 people run through it here. Great. And so that's 50 people that, you know, if they, if they were your only caseload, that's a lot of people to work on one-on-one, right? Right. So yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> well, just, yeah, just to let you know, like, Hey, you're, you're still affecting a lot of people, right? Right. Good. Awesome. That's good to hear. Um, where can people find out more information? Uh, where the, can they find you on socials? Um, what they should, what should they be looking up? Great. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Optimize me nutrition.com is the website. And then that same handle, Optimize Nutrition on Instagram and, and Facebook. I'm definitely most active on Instagram in terms of content. And then, yeah, like running the challenges at your gym, that's through SugarWad. I also have a non-SugarWad option, but SugarWad's a, a great one because you get that daily content like you mentioned. So that's another place to find me. Yep. Perfect. All right, EC, hang on the line for a second. But um, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You got it. Hey folks, thanks again for listening to Cross Econa Radio. If you like what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review, which helps us get found on the interwebs. Also, head over to social media, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Cross Econa, K-A-N-N-A. And if you have any questions for the podcast, email us at info at Thanks and have a great day.